0: Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when our Savior entered Jerusalem for the last time, as recorded in Matthew chapter 21, and as we heard about that this morning, the crowds that lined the streets to hail him as Zion's king did not really understand what his kingship was all about. They expected some kind of earthly political kingdom. They expected the Lord Jesus to get their economy on its feet and to right their political wrongs. But that's not why the Lord Jesus had come. Even the disciples did not fully understand why the Lord Jesus was entering Jerusalem. It was only after his death and resurrection that they made the connection between the way in which the Lord Jesus entered Jerusalem, riding humbly on a donkey, a connection with that event and what the prophet Zechariah had prophesied. But after the Lord Jesus had died and risen, He spent 40 days with his disciples. That's what Luke writes in Acts chapter 1. And what did the Lord Jesus talk about with his disciples during those 40 days? He talked about the kingdom of God. That's what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. In other words, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus set their thinking straight during those 40 days. He explained to them the scriptures as they spoke about the purpose for his coming into this world. Just as the Lord Jesus did On the day of his resurrection and when he met his disciples, he opened the scriptures to them that they might understand that they spoke about his suffering and death and resurrection. So the Lord Jesus set his disciples straight during those 40 days about the kingdom of God. And then when the Lord Jesus was going to ascend into heaven, as we read about that in Acts chapter 1, the disciples asked that question in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And by this point in time, the disciples were no longer thinking in terms of an earthly political kingdom. The Lord Jesus had explained that to them during those 40 days. Their question was about the timing of this kingdom. Would this kingdom be established now? Would this kingdom come in all its fullness now? Will you at this time, they asked, Restore the kingdom to Israel. And then the Lord Jesus answered by saying, it wasn't for them to know the times and seasons the Father had fixed by his own authority, but he gave them that commission. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria And to the end of the earth. In other words, brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus was saying, the kingdom will come by way of the preaching of the gospel. Not yet now, said our Savior to those disciples. But later, after the gospel has gone to the ends of the earth, And during that whole period of time that the gospel goes to the ends of the earth, the Christian church prays, your kingdom come. We'll look at that this afternoon as I proclaim God's word to you about the second petition of the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. What exactly do we mean by that? Your kingdom come come. Well, if you keep in mind, brothers and sisters, that the kingdom of God comes by way of the preaching of the gospel, as our Lord Jesus indicated in Acts chapter 1, then you realize that the coming of the kingdom is all about the recognition of Jesus Christ as king. It's about the recognition of the fact that The Lord Jesus came into this world, suffered and died, and took his place at the Father's right hand in glory. And that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. As you heard this afternoon in the salutation, Jesus Christ is the firstborn of the dead. The ruler of the kings of the earth. The kingdom belongs to him. He rules the kingdom for the Father. And in this petition, we are praying, essentially, that people may recognize the kingdom of God and acknowledge God as king and acknowledge the Lord Jesus as seated on the Father's throne, ruling the kingdom for the Father. Weren't we created like that in the beginning, brothers and sisters? That we recognize the lordship of God? God is the ruler of the universe. And God put man in the beautiful garden and entrusted this whole creation to man. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation given a mandate to develop this earth to the praise and glory of God, but to do that in full recognition of the supremacy of God. And there was no problem with that at all before the fall into sin. Adam and Eve willingly did that. They were created that way. They were created with perfect knowledge of God. They rightly knew God. They hallowed God's name. And they willingly went about their mandate in submission to God. God had created them as his vice regents who would take care of his good creation. And man had the right relationship with God. But then came the fall. That's why I'm preaching the gospel to you today. The Gospel comes to a fallen world. The Lord Jesus came to sinners. The Father sent His Son into the world to redeem fallen mankind. That there might be a people that lives to the praise and glory of God. That there might be a people which recognizes God as King. The devil came and said to Eve, You can be your own master. You can be your own ruler. You can chart your own course. You can determine right and wrong for yourself. And we know how it went. They fell into sin. And from that day onward, brothers and sisters, fallen man does not want to recognize the kingship of God. We want to be supreme in our own lives. That's our sinful nature. We don't want to recognize God as king. We have enthroned ourselves as kings. But God came immediately with the gospel. He promised redemption, He promised a savior, He promised a suffering servant. He promised the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And God has led the history of salvation according to that promise that he made immediately after the fall into sin. He called Abraham out of darkness into the marvelous light of that kingdom. And Abraham followed God. In faith, Abraham recognized God as his king and from Abraham came the nation of Israel and God dealt bountifully with his people Israel, brothers and sisters. They could taste what the kingdom of God is all about because God remembered his people Israel in the slavery of Egypt, in the land of darkness, And called them out of the land of Egypt and brought them into the land of Canaan. He delivered them. He showed them what kind of a king he is. They had experienced what kind of a king Pharaoh was. A cruel tyrant. Someone who laid down his laws with no regard for man. Someone who enslaved people. And that all symbolized the fact that sin enslaves and that people who serve sin are enslaved by sin. God broke those shackles by sending Moses. And Moses led God's people out of the land of Egypt through the midst of the Red Sea on dry ground by which baptism is signified. Pharaoh and all his hosts drowned in the sea. And then God led his people Israel to the land of Canaan. A land flowing with milk and honey. A land which foreshadowed the heavenly Canaan. The place where God's people will dwell in abundance and lack no good thing. And then the Lord Jesus came. In the fullness of time. Born of woman, born under the law, that he might go the way of the cross to redeem fallen man. And when the Lord Jesus was on this earth, the kingdom of God was in their midst. They could taste it because the Lord Jesus went about Israel healing the sick, making the lame to walk, causing the blind to see, forgiving sins, raising people from the dead. It was all about life and health and peace and forgiveness. That's what the kingdom of God is all about. And then he suffered and died on the cross, laying the foundation for our salvation, the foundation for that kingdom. And he ascended into heaven and took his seat at the Father's right hand in glory Paul writes to the Ephesians in chapter 1 of his letter to the Ephesians that God has clothed him with all authority and power in heaven and on earth. He rules over all. And the Lord Jesus is the fulfillment of those Old Testament Psalms like Psalm 45 and Psalm 72, which speak about the king. He shall rule from sea to sea, Psalm 72, Zechariah 9. That's our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus shall reign, Hymn 45. And the Lord Jesus rules this world this very day. And after His ascension, He poured out the Holy Spirit upon the church. He spoke of that in Acts chapter 1. After a few days, the Holy Spirit would be poured out upon those disciples. And they would then begin to bring the gospel in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Notice the question. Of those disciples in Acts chapter 1. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And the Lord Jesus says, no, no. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The kingdom of Christ is not just about Israel, but it's about the whole world. And this whole world will one day be filled with the glory of God and the glory of Jesus Christ. And now we are praying that that kingdom may come. We are praying that the coming of that kingdom might proceed by way of the preaching of the gospel. And that its fullness may come at the appointed hour. The hour appointed by the Father. And as that unfolds, the church prays in this petition. Very personally, so rule us by your spirit and word. That more and more we submit to you. In other words, the church, recognizing the kingship of Christ, prays. May we recognize your rule in our daily lives. Grant that we may not only confess it with our mouths and Acknowledge it in theory, but grant that we may live out of it in practice. So rule us by your spirit and word, that more and more we submit to you. In other words, that we put to death sin in our lives, that we begin to walk in newness of life, that we remember that we have been called out of darkness, from the kingdom of darkness, into the marvelous light of the gospel, the kingdom of light. That's what we're also going to pray about this little child, Carter, who's going to be baptized. Baptism points to the washing away of our sins. It's about a promise, the promise of salvation in Jesus Christ, a promise that must be embraced in true faith. In order to share in the saving merits of Jesus Christ, Every baptized person must embrace those promises in true faith. And therefore also for this child, we pray, as we will in the form, grant that this child may be so ruled by your word and spirit that he may submit to you. That impacts every aspect of our lives, brothers and sisters. It's about our time. It's about our talents. It's about our resources. It's about our pursuits. It's about the kind of work we do. It's the kind of relationships that we keep. Every aspect of life is covered here. And we are praying that we may recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And so we pray, so rule us by your spirit and word. And then we go on to pray by praying this petition, preserve and increase your church. Because it's by the spirit and word that lives are transformed. And so we pray, preserve and increase your church. Preserve the preaching of the gospel. Grant that more And more people may come to know that only name given under heaven by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus, that lives may be transformed. And we pray that we may live as people who recognize the Lord Jesus, people who are citizens of the kingdom. Because the church is about the citizens of the kingdom. It's not surprising, brothers and sisters, that Lord's Day 48 mentions the church here because the church indeed consists of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And it's not surprising that Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 48, speaks about the devil. Because the devil was out right from the beginning to destroy God's beautiful work of creation. And the devil is out today trying to destroy God's work of recreation. In the days of our Savior, the devil was behind the fact that people did not recognize him for who he was. The devil was behind the fact that those cries of jubilation on the day when our savior entered into Jerusalem, quickly turned into Christ for his crucifixion. And so we pray, destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Destroy all of that. And we pray that the word may be preserved. We pray against every conspiracy against God's holy word. That's important, brothers and sisters, because every power that raises itself up against God's word is ultimately inspired by the devil. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2 that the foundation of the church is the word of God. The apostles and the prophets. And the New Jerusalem is depicted for us in the book of Revelation as a city with 12 foundations. The apostolic foundation of God's word. It's the foundation of that apostolic word with which the Lord Jesus sent out His 12 disciples in Acts chapter 1. You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That apostolic word goes to the ends of the earth. And so, brothers and sisters, every time there's an attempt to make the word of God obsolete, it's a conspiracy against God's holy word. Because when the word is made obsolete... It's deprived of its impact and power on the lives of God's people. Sadly, in much of Christianity, the word has been reduced to some essential moral truths, some core values, some precepts for decent living. But that gospel of Jesus Christ crucified and really risen and really ascended and really seated at the Father's right hand in glory has been undermined in so many ways. Those are the sophisticated attacks against God's word, the attempt to make it powerless and Ineffective. And of course brothers and sisters. Those Christians don't intend to do that. They probably have good intentions. But the devil. Has his own aim. And you see it. You see it. Where the word has been made impotent. The churches are empty. And then there are the less sophisticated attacks against God's Word. The kind that we might be inclined to give in to. No time to study the Bible. No time to read the Bible, no time to read good Reformed Christian literature, no time, but lots of time for entertainment, television, sports, hobbies, outdoor activities, but no time for God. And then when we are in church, maybe, maybe, we tune it out. Our mind is elsewhere. And as we live our daily lives, maybe... Maybe that word of Christ in Matthew 6 verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Maybe that word of Christ is is pushed to the background of our lives and the focus of our lives is the things of this life and getting ahead and, and becoming prosperous and having a good time. We're so easily blinded. By the things of the world and less focused on the things of God. Those are the unsophisticated attacks against God's Word. And so we pray in this petition destroy the works of the devil, every power that raises itself against you, and every conspiracy against your holy Word. And then Do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. In other words, the devil won't win. He won't win. Because the Lord Jesus said in John chapter 12, just after he entered Jerusalem, and we heard about that a few weeks ago too, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the ruler of this world be cast out. Christ would triumph. And he would establish that kingdom of peace. And so we pray, do all this until the fullness of your kingdom comes, wherein you shall be all in all. The devil has much power but he does not have dominion. And the power he has is the power of a defeated ruler. And so the church may pray about the fullness of the kingdom coming. The church prays for the day when Christ will return. And the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth. And today the gospel goes to the ends of the earth. And the name of Christ is proclaimed. People are called to faith. The Lordship of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And that will go on until that other hour of which the Son does not even know the time. The day of Christ's return When the fullness of the kingdom will be manifest. And this whole earth will be filled with God's glory. And that's a certain fact. We confess that. In the explanation of the catechism. Do all this. Until. The fullness of your kingdom comes. Not. Do all this so that the fullness of your kingdom come. But do all this until, in other words, it will come. It's a sure reality and therefore the Christian church has always prayed with confidence since the day of Christ's ascension, since the day he spoke those parting words to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, your kingdom come. Amen.